from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. But Republicans are certainly making the argument that it's going up because of the Democratic environmental policies. Whether that's right. actually true or not kind of doesn't matter. This is kind of just the message that messages that they're using for Republican voters. The amount of controversy that Eric Greitens has encountered since 2015 would have ended like six political careers by now. I think the answer to that question and the reason why he's still viable is he has a lot of people that like him and that like his message, which is which is very specific to a part of the Republican base that ad- adheres to Donald Trump's agenda, as well as being against people like Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, and also being against like military interventionalism. I'm Cindy Collins. Missourians will head to the polls on August 2nd to vote in primaries for the open U.S. Senate seat, several congressional races, the race for St. Louis County Executive, and more. Republicans Billy Long, Dave Schatz, Mark McCloskey, all on the primary ballot this year. I've been in Congress. This is my 12th year. I come from a small business background. I was an auctioneer, real estate broker for 31 years before I ever went to Congress. I don't know how many congressmen you know that Congress was the first political position they ever held, and they were 55 years old when they got sworn into Congress. Obviously, I I was blessed with five children. I have eight grandchildren, two on the way, uh, and I'm concerned about the future uh, and the world that they're going to live in and grow up in. I asked a buddy of mine who uh, had been in the Reagan administration, I said, what do you think about the idea of me running for Senate? And he said, why don't you just go outside, drive some nails through your feet, it'll feel better and it won't take as long. All right. But uh, uh, we, we, uh, we felt that this was a, a new task placed ahead of us by God and that we were going to do it. Uh, well, that is an interesting take on politics for sure. Uh, front runners, uh, by the way, Republicans Vicki Hartzler, Eric Schmidt, Eric Greitens, and each of them think and claim that they will take a more direct approach than their opponents to solve the problems that are facing Missourians. We're facing multiple crises in our nation, economic crisis, a border crisis, energy crisis, a national security crisis, uh, a moral crisis. And this, these are the things that I have that track record of, of fighting and passing legislation on behalf of Missourians. A lot of people are going to talk about things. They're going to, you know, have some funny lines along the way, but I'm the one who's actually taken action. Like, I'm the one that's gone after Joe Biden, sued on Remain in Mexico and won. We were the first state to sue on the vaccine mandate, the the OSHA restriction won. So I think it's a record of accomplishment and action versus a lot of talk. And one of the things that's striking is that you see here lots of policy questions. You see here lots of interest, lots of facts. By contrast, what you see from our opponents, political commentators, is, you know, all of this nonsense. Joining me now to talk about the Missouri Senate race and the other major contests that he's covered in the lead-up to the August primary, St. Louis Public Radio correspondent Jason Rosenbaum. Jason, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, it's always tough to get voters to the polls for primary elections. They come out for the general elections, especially when there's a, a presidential election. But primaries, the, the turnout tends to be low. What do the candidates feel is going to, that they need to message to voters to get them 
to the polls this year to make them uh, actually get out of the House and get to the polls? What are the key issues? Well, Republicans are certainly spending a lot of money to make sure that all the Republicans in the Missouri frontier, so to speak, come to the polls. Um, Three in particular, Hartzler, uh, Schmidt, and Greitens are seen as the front runners because they have kind of the most money, the most name recognition, and and kind of just have campaigns that are seen as a, a cut above the other people in the clips that you played. I think what they're doing, though, is is trying to really target the base and target base issues. They're against COVID-19 restrictions. They're criticizing Joe Biden at every turn. And people like Vicki Hartzler have been critical of the House committee that's investigating the January 6th insurrection. Here's a clip from Hartzler right now. This committee is just going after one thing. It's po- you know focused on going after Trump. And they've turned it into, instead of a legitimate uh, committee investigating all of the that what happened and figuring out ways to make the Capitol safer, that this never happens again, they're just using it as a political witch hunt because they don't like President Trump. Now, I'm not saying that the general election electorate agrees with Hartzler or the other candidates, right? but the Republican primary voter base is really soured on the January 6th committee. And I think that's why you see people like Hartzler and Schmidt and Greitens really criticizing it. Well, now, how how is Eric Greitens working to overcome the baggage that he's coming into this with? Because he apparently thinks he can overcome everything that's happened uh, in the past, all the controversies for him to win this seat. I, I think that's the question that every political observer in the state is wondering right now, because for most people, the amount of controversy that Eric Greitens has encountered since 2015 would have ended like six political careers by now. I think the answer to that question and the reason why he's still viable is he has a lot of people that like him and that like his message, which is which is very specific to a part of the Republican base that ad- adheres to Donald Trump's agenda, as well as being against people like Mitch McConnell, the Senate minority leader, and also being against like military interventionism. So I, I think he's trying to target a very specific grouping of the Republican electorate, given that there's six major candidates and 21 total candidates as as well. Another point is how does how does one stand out amongst a field of 21 to get the the voters to even recognize them? That's a great question, because a, a lot of the candidates have very similar positions on the issues. They're all against abortion rights. They're all against gun control. They all think Joe Biden is doing a terrible job. I would say probably the biggest source of policy contention is whether to provide aid to Ukraine to fend off its the invasion from Russia. For instance, Senate President Pro Tem Dave Schatz is in favor of that move, while Attorney Mark McCloskey is a strong opponent. Here is a clip from McCloskey. And then when Zelensky addressed the joint houses of Congress a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, All the networks, including the conservative networks, played that three-minute propaganda film, complete with sad music and little girls holding kittens and everything you could possibly imagine, as if it were news. I have never in my life ever seen so much uniform propaganda as a push by everybody in our government and in the media for a hot war with Russia right now, to provoke uh, a war by by giving the Ukrainians unlimited support. 
Is that, I mean, I've been following the Ukraine situation. I, I, I think that's a little bit of an overstatement to say unlimited support, but apparently he's just trying to make the point there. Right. And for full disclosure, I'm half Ukrainian. So I want to make that clear to the listeners that um, I obviously am seeing this through a perspective of somebody who has lineage there, also a, a Jewish person that basically family fled Ukraine in the 1920s. But the reason I bring that up is that that is like the one issue where I've actually seen the Republican candidates disagree. And otherwise, like they pretty much agree on most issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a way to answer your, your question more directly, how they're trying to stand out. And what about inflation, gas prices? These are things that are uh, top of mind for so many Missouri voters. Um, are those also uh, some of the hard hit messages from the candidates? I, I, absolutely. I mean, that's probably the biggest issue that is facing the country from a domestic standpoint right now. And I would actually say that both the Republican and Democratic candidates for the Senate Like, that's mainly what they're talking about. But the Republicans are talking about it on a more like, this is Joe Biden's fault. You know, we got to, like, get the Democrats out of power in Congress Mm -hmm. so we can deal with this issue. As far as specifics about what they're going to do, it's always around, like, we got to spend less. We got to get the supply chain situation under control. The honest truth is, like, there, there are a lot of reasons why inflation is happening now. A lot of it has to do with the pandemic and sure. kind of the economy yeah. starting up again. That kind of, are, some would argue, is beyond governmental control. It's the same thing with gas prices. Gas prices go up and down for reasons kind of separate from legislative or executive action. But Republicans are certainly making the argument that they're, it's going up because of the Democratic environmental policies, whether that's right. actually true or not, kind of doesn't matter. This is kind of just the message that messages that they're using for Republican voters. And I, I'm pretty sure that if uh, Republicans were in power right now, the Democrats would probably be saying the same things. You know, it's just a typical uh, election year thing to blame the other party, uh, whether they're at blame or not. Um, let's talk about some uh, of the Democratic candidates for Senate, because it is a primary. So uh, we've got the Senate seat open. 21 Republicans trying to to get that nomination. Who do we have on the Democratic side? On the Democratic side, there are basically three major candidates. Uh, None of them are in elected office. Uh, You have Lucas Kuntz, who ran for state representative in 2006, is from Jefferson City, currently lives in uh, Jackson County. Um, And this is kind of the way that he described his candidacy when he was on Politically Speaking recently. You know, I, I think that when I look at D.C., when I think when I see the folks who are up there supposedly representing us, I don't see people who grew up the way that most Missourians grew up, frankly. And, you know, when I say that, I mean most Missourians grow up paycheck to paycheck or one disaster from bankruptcy. We really do. And, uh, you know, I know what that's like. Another candidate that has been making a lot of waves, especially on social media, is St. Louis County businessman Spencer Toter. And he, he's really kind of gained a foothold with kind of the progressive base of the Democratic Party. 
and people are ready for someone to take an action. And so when I saw that there wasn't a candidate in the race who was willing to do the hard work to get in front of people and make people's lives better as a focus of a campaign rather than fundraising or relying on advertising, I decided that it was the right time. And I spoke with my wife and my family. And after quite a bit of discussion, we determined that the best thing we could do to try to improve the quality of life for Missourians was for me to become the next U.S. Senator. The third major candidate is Trudy Bush Valentine, who is a, was a nurse and is the daughter of Gussie Bush, who ran Anheuser-Busch for a long time. Unfortunately, I don't have audio of her because she declined to come on Politically Speaking, unlike Spencer Toder and Lucas Kuntz. What do we know about her uh, and her, her positions? I, I think that she is really running on health care. She's running on opposition to Missouri's abortion ban. Um, and she also has a lot of money at her disposal from her personal wealth. I think the reason I mentioned the fact that she hasn't come on the podcast, not to necessarily like say that's a good or a bad thing. I think the criticism of her is that she's basically running a campaign where it's she is going from place to place and campaigning, but a lot of it is just television ads. And she she you know was asked to do a debate for KMOV and declined. And I think a, a lot of Democratic voters are, are kind of frustrated by that, to be honest with you. Okay, if you're just tuning in to St. Louis on the Air, we are talking about the Missouri primary, which happens August 2nd, with uh, our politically speaking host and uh, and our news uh, specialist on politics, Jason Rosenbaum. <laughs> that, that's a good way to describe yeah, me. That, that means you're, the, you're our local expert, and so I, I really appreciate that you're joining us today. Do you think, from what you've seen, that a Democrat has a chance of taking this Senate seat? I think it depends on what happens in the Republican primary. I think that the general consensus that it is, it, if Greitens wins the primary, mm-hmm. the race becomes a lot more competitive because of all the controversy surrounding him. That does not mean Greitens will lose the general election. Missouri is a very Republican state right now. And Democrats have not proven to me in the last couple of election cycles that they can piece together the urban, suburban, rural coalition needed to win an election. I think the wild card here is that there's an independent candidate, John Wood, a former U.S. attorney from the Kansas City area, who it it could have access to millions of dollars, especially because he's connected with former U.S. Senator John Danforth. The consensus is if it's Schmidt or Hartzler, it's going to be a lot tougher for Democrats to win. All right. Let's transition because we're running out of time. Boy, this has gone by so fast. Let's transition, though, to the St. Louis County executive race. Uh, We've got the incumbent and we've got a challenger. Let's talk a little bit about Sam Page. Sam Page was appointed to the county executive post in 2019 after Steve Stanger resigned. Um, He's been in office for about three years, and his main pitch is really talking about how he handled the COVID-19 pandemic. But that has also engendered a lot of controversy. There's been people who have said, like, a mass mandate without any enforcement really isn't a mass mandate. It's more of a mass recommendation. Um, And he's just had a lot of controversies within his administration. So uh, but he also is the incumbent. It's difficult to beat incumbents. And he's running against Jane Duker, who's an attorney. Um, Most notably, she was the chief of staff for Bob Holden back in the 2000s. She has actually been able to raise a decent amount of money. And um, I think that she is really running on an anti-Sam Page platform. But she's got a little bit of baggage because of her association to Steve Stenger. Right. And I think that's kind of the big problem for her is that she was an unpaid advisor to Steve Stenger. Um, 
And Steve Stinger obviously ran a very unpopular and divisive administration. Now, what she would say is that Sam Page used to be an ally to Steve Stanger before the council kind of changed over after 2017, and that there's all these examples of Page going along with Stanger until he lost power. Um, so that's the criticism toward Duker. I, I think that the criticism toward Page is like some of his administration has just been kind of chaotic recently. You had the chief of staff who resigned after he was filming a sex act on county property. You had another person who uh, was indicted on pay-to-play charges. Now, uh, Page ended up firing that person, Tony Weaver, and Cal Harris, the chief of staff, ended up resigning. But, you know, these are types of things that I think are going to be on voters' minds, and I think Duker is definitely trying to exploit a lot of that. Interesting. It, well, it, this whole thing is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I, I think we'll see a good turnout for the primary. I, I mean, there's just so much going on right now. And, uh, and, and well, time will tell. And huh? it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, especially in St. Louis County, if there are less Republicans that end up crossing over than usual, just because um, there's this really um, high profile Senate race on the Republican side. Now, I can't say that Republican crossover voter has votes have been decisive in the past, but if there aren't a lot of Republicans crossing over, that may actually hurt Duker's case. St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum, uh, as always, a pleasure to speak with you and uh, very enlightening. Thank you. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.